Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams, and it is Old Religion Dystopian, Owen versus Belief, and I have a new guest and a sister in Christ. Well, I've had like, in the past month and a half, I've had like four sisters in Christ I've interviewed. That's not normal for me, oh. which is really wonderful. <laughs> it's really wonderful, actually. It's It really is wonderful. I mean, the last batch of gals were turned out to be worldly and witches and sh- uh, shamans and that. that's like oh my gosh mm. anyways it's nice to talk to some sisters in christ you know uh that's for sure uh this is her her name is sarah hauser and sir yeah. i know her uh, did i pronounce your last name right i hope yes you did thank you Oh, right. I did it right for First once. Okay. I know I'm terrible with names. Gosh <laughs> almighty. Uh, anyways, uh, Sarah, I know her through uh, Derek Hallett and uh, Sound the Trumpets Ministries. And she, uh, you can hear her and a couple of the videos either giving you know, her comments, giving a teaching or, you know, sharing, reading some verses and that kind of thing. And and this is one of the things is listening to a little bit of Sarah's testimony. I'm like, this person would be really interesting to learn about, especially who she was before Christ got a hold of her and who she is now. And uh, uh, I'm really excited about this. This is actually a request on my part, Sarah, believe it or not. I don't know if Derek told you that, but uh, I like, no. you know, <laughs> I like Sarah. I would really like to interview her. There's something about her that's uniquely special. And I'm not just puffing you up there. I, there is. There's something uh, that, you know, you could see uh, God working in your life, which is, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that may say that, but, and, and, and of course he is, but to what degree and how far are they willing to allow him to be their Lord. That's the question mm-hmm. that we all have to face. So, Sarah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. And we were talking a little bit, and I was sharing with you my uh, what I've been dealing with today is my research, and so far, every state capital and the where we come from has basically been converted or is a basilica. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. so that's something that should be really revealing to folks down the road. I mean, not that it's something yeah. I didn't know already. I've, I've known this for a long time, that uh, we don't actually live in a... Let's put it this way. Um, there's no such thing as a Christian nation. Right. There's a Christian in a nation. And there's exactly. very few of us, I'm discovering, very few of us. Not that yes. we're, <clears throat> we can boast or, you know 
say, you know, hey, look at what look at I did. No, we can't boast at all. It's all Christ. Mm-hmm. It's just the vast majority of what people call, call who call themselves Christians are basically religious folks that are ensnared in this mm-hmm. wicked design system of entrapping people and keeping them from actually having a personal relationship with God. Because as you told me earlier before the this recording the world opens up to you, right? Your eyes, the scales yep. start falling off from your eyes, and you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you start seeing everything for the, like, this has been here forever, and I'm just now seeing it. But that's, you know, the Lord goes according to our understanding and what we're ready to see. What we're ready to realize is re- what really is going on in the world. And he's like, okay, now I can work with you because now you're willing to, to look at things for the first time through new eyes, through his eyes. <laughs> well, he had to use uh, his supernatural jackhammer on me to get those scales <laughs> off my eyes. I'm serious. He, he Same like here. Thousands of hours, <laughs> thousands of hours rearranging my twisted, sinful brain. Anyways, mm-hmm. before we get going, let's, let's say prayers. I'll start off, and then if you want to join me afterwards, you're more than welcome. Okay? Okay. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, O precious Father, O precious yes, God, Lord. the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the only true and living God that ever was and ever will be, that gave us our own, your only begotten Son, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and thank goodness he did come in the flesh. And thank goodness he did pay for our sins. And thank goodness he did raise from the dead. And thank goodness he's up there on the right hand side of you, God. Because yes, there are many a day, God, as you wake up us, and in particular me, I know, uh, if it wasn't for my hope and my faith in our, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and personal relationship and with, with him and with you, Heavenly Father. And I don't know how anybody can get go through I just can't imagine God was was like anymore to live life without you, without our Lord, without the Holy Spirit. I just can't imagine it. It just would be an absolute nightmare. It would. And knowing what I know, so God, thank you for fortifying us, strengthening us. As I ask you, mighty God, that you will pour your Holy Spirit yes, into you. this uh, message and that it will edify not only me and Sarah, but those who may hear this, that will bless you, God, and it will bless the, the, the body of Christ, and um, give courage and hope to the folks who uh, you are drawing out of this world, out of Mystery Babylon, and giving them yeah. hope, hope in knowing that you are true, just, merciful, and shine your loving kindness upon them, God. God, bind all evil spirits and evils and foul spirits and uh, bind them, rebuke them, and God, send them where you may, even to the pit and outer darkness, anywhere, God, but from around us. And uh, protect us with your Holy Spirit and with your mighty angels, with their fiery okay. swords. All praise and glory, where do you have any, Father? Thank you, Lord. Boy, I can't wait to the day when we can meet our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you.
Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this day in Jesus' name. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for this day. I want to thank you for your love, your tender mercies, your kindness, your grace, your blessings upon us, Lord. Things that we don't deserve, but you've given to us anyways, your children, Lord. I also want to thank you for your chastisement, Lord, to show that you still love us when we don't do your will. But, Lord, we also realize that we are living in the times, Lord Jesus Christ, where we we need to know that our faith stands upon you because we are not promised tomorrow. It also says in your word to not grieve the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, every single day that you give us is a blessing, and it is a blessing because, Lord Jesus Christ, you as a faithful father do not treat us as our sins deserve. And you're giving us chance after chance after chance to have a fully sanctified relationship with you. And Lord God, with whatever time we have left, I'm praying, Lord Jesus Christ, that our minds will be sanctified with you, that we will sanctify a fast, Lord Jesus Christ, unto you as the children of Israel did, that we may be one with you, single-eyed with you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will take us away from the world and the left thereof to do your will, Lord Jesus Christ, because there is a world of people tonight going to hell because your church has fallen asleep. So, Lord, I'm praying that you wake up your remnant, that you show each and every one of us that is counted worthy to be a part of your armor. Open up our eyes, Lord Jesus Christ, to follow after you, that we will go out in the highways and the byways to stand in the gap, Lord Jesus, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, your healing power in the name of Jesus. Send down the Holy Ghost and a fresh anointing. Lord, I'm praying that this message be for only you, that only you get all the glory and the honor, Lord Jesus Christ, for what you've done in our lives, that it will touch and reach those out there tonight, Lord, who are contemplating suicide. Lord, they're they're getting ready to put that needle in their arm for the last time or take that sip of alcohol and get behind the wheel. Let this message be for them and all those, Lord Jesus Christ, questioning, is there life after death? And, of course, we know there is, but it's only two choices, heaven or hell. And, Lord, we have to know where we're going with you. We have to know, Lord Jesus Christ, that if we stand before you tonight, if this be our last night, what fathomable reason would we allow to enter into the kingdom of heaven with you? Let this just be in our minds, Lord Jesus Christ, every single day, that we be children of obedience and not the children of wrath. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Strengthen up our honor as we continue to press forward into the spiritual warfare, but set us through that furnace of affliction to purge, and to burn off the world and the lust thereof. And when we come to the other side, we reflect only you. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Sarah Hauser. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's nice. Uh, it's a nice ring to it, Sister Sarah Hauser. <laughs> Sister in Christ. Amen. <laughs> You know, it probably in the, in the uh, before we both got saved, we probably would be giving each other all sorts of grief, and you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll keep this P rated, PG rated. But you know, you know what it is like when you're in the world. You oh yeah, live like an you live like an animal, and you live like the, the devil that we are. Yeah, so. It's, I'm so glad I'm out of that. I'm so glad. It's, 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 nice, Amen to have to that. Peace. it's nice to have peace. Thank you, Lord. Anyways, uh, 
and know what that actually means. Yes. Uh, so, so uh, Sarah, Sarah wants to uh, give a little presentation, and then um, and then uh, we'll we'll hear her uh, her testimony. So, um, yeah. I guess I'll just hand um, it over to you and just let you go for it. Is that all right? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Um, if you don't mind, I'm gonna do my testimony first. Is that okay? That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So um, to start off, um, I was raised in a little town in North Carolina called Goldsboro, and um, you know uh, we went to church when I was kids. There's there's three of us. I have an older sister and an older brother and myself, and uh, parents took us to church. Um, Religiously, I guess you could say, as a kid. But being from the you know southern side of the East Coast, uh, was raised in the Bible Belt. So you know, there's churches on every street corner and everything. And but the church that I went to as a as a young person, they the pastor there, one of the pastors that I do remember, teached or preached fire and brimstone messages, and I vaguely remember it because I was pretty young when we left that church and went elsewhere, moved to another city. Um, But that just, you know, it kind of stuck with me. And that was in the 80s, mind you, early, mid-80s. And then as the 90s came around, it seemed like a lot more of those messages started to dwindle away. Now, it wouldn't be something I would recognize until much later, that I would have to look back and realize that 80s preaching and 90s preaching were not the same thing anymore. And it was like the the, 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 the other Bible versions started to really come into play in the 90s. Um, and things just started getting, the music started getting a little different in the churches. But it wasn't a drastic change because Satan never works drastically. He does it one piece at a time. One little foot in the hole, one little foot in the door, just, you know, uh, bring in an, another Bible or just bring in uh, some Christian contemporary music and everything will be fine just to get a foot in the door. Well, that foot in the door has led to total takeover today, as we know. But so when I was in, I was, uh, I went to church when I was a kid and we were all three raised in Christian school. I grad, We all three graduated from Christian school. And, um, but I wouldn't move away until I was 24. Now, during that time, uh, when I moved away, I moved to one state over, I moved to Tennessee. And when I did move out, I just basically said, I, I don't want to go to church anymore. I, I've, I'm done with it. Um, I've had it shoved down my throat for the past, you know, 24 years. And I don't want anything else to do with it. But what was really taking place, and I wanted to have fun. It was my time. I'm going to have fun. I've been a square my whole life. Now I want to go out and see what it, you know everyone else is able to do that I haven't been able to do my whole life. You know, my first job was I worked at a uh, Taco Bell, and the kids there, 16, 17, 18 years old, most of them were smoking cigarettes. A couple of them lived on their own. Uh, they were having sexual relationships, and I'm like in shock to some degree because here I am being raised in a Christian home, going to Christian school. I've not experienced this with other teenagers before, seeing it put in my face like this. 
at, at my job. And so I didn't quite compute what was going on here. Like, what is, you guys are 17, 16 years old, and you're having sex? What is, I've never heard of this before. It's supposed to be for marriage. So I got exposed to it for the first time there, and I started getting confused because that and what I saw at home and what I saw at church were two separate things. So, but that looked appealing to me after a while. You know, if you're around sin long enough, you may disdain it at first, but the longer you're around it and you're not stand firm in Christ like I wasn't, it starts to look fun. It starts to look appealing. And so that would kind of like weigh on me for a while until I finally moved out on my own. And I was like, you know, what took place back there at my job, now I want to experience. I want to experience the fun that those kids were having. And so I started doing these things. But what was really happening, because I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ at that time, the manifestation of what was really inside of me started to, you know, produce itself. It started to come out as to who I really was. And so... I was working at Walmart at the time, and I started drinking. Um, I started smoking. Um, I started having, you know, relationships with guys, sucker relationships with guys I shouldn't have, and just basically doing what everyone else did, so I thought. And then uh, a couple years later, about a year later, in 2004, I would join the Navy, and I would spend four years in the Navy. I was in Washington, D.C., and then I spent two years on an aircraft carrier and deployed with them. And when they say curse like a sailor and drink like a sailor, they're not joking. And I experienced those things as well. And then when I got out, I was a very angry individual. And and I was angry because of all the the supervisors that I had in the military were just very oppressive kind of deal. But I think it was more than that. There was something deep inside of me that was, that void was there. And I was trying to replace that void with men and with alcohol and with cigarettes and partying. But that void was there. So when I got out of the Navy, and that didn't fulfill me, I moved back to North Carolina, and I was a very, very just angry, angry person. And anything would just snap me. And... I was uh, seeing a guy at the time, and he broke up with me, and that was probably the most angry I'd ever been with somebody on the phone because of that. And so when that ended, I started drinking even more. And, um, you know, it just progressed over the course of time, and I was just a very unsettled person. So uh, in 2009, I moved here to Oregon, and the depression would just unravel itself over the course of the next few years. And I would become an alcoholic for about two and a half years. And, uh, I mean, it got to the point where, and I was still, I had, I had actually uh, joined the Army Reserves too. So I was out of the Navy for three years. And because of that, the brainwashing that they do to people. This is something that military people really just, that's why most of them are career military people because they don't, they don't, they only teach you to how to go in. They never uncondition you how to get out. And I believe that that's the plan of Satan as well. Because they tell you in basic training, 
what they're going to do to you. And it sounds so fun because you're getting ready to be a soldier for the United States military. But they say, we're going to break you down as a civilian and build you back up as a soldier. They tell you that on the first day you're there. But it doesn't sink in until years later. It just, oh, my goodness, they actually said that. And, but you're just getting so pumped and so gung-ho, you don't realize what they're actually telling you. And what they're telling you is, we're going to take your mind from you and put in our mind. That's what they're telling you. And so when you get away from that environment, uh, you just start to almost like unravel to some degree because you don't know what's going on. You don't know what, you know, no one's telling you what to do anymore. You have to look for a job now. You have to pay rent now. You got to do all these things now. And it just like almost shatters the reality of a person when you have to start thinking about all those things again. And that's what happened to me. So I did the Army Reserve for about three and a half years. And during that time, uh, on my on my duty stay, on my um, drill weekends, what they call it, and I was going up to Tacoma, Washington, um, two-day weekends, three-day weekends, I was drunk at least one or two a night to vote. And, you know, I wanted to party every chance I got an opportunity to drink. And I would start drinking at home. You know, every night of the week I was drinking at home. If I, if I was sober one or two nights a week, it was impressive back then. Smoking cigarettes, and I, I would really, you know, struggle financially because of it. And then, lo and behold, the Lord gave me a choice. And that's when I actually met my minister and best friend, Derek. We, we were working secure together, security together at that time. And he saw how I was. And we didn't get along at first because of how I was. You know, we couldn't stand one another. And not his fault. It was, my, it was actually my fault because I was a very insecure, gullible, just malicious, militant person at that time. I was. But the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go after her and I want you to talk to her about me because if you don't, she's not going to make it. So... He did, and he actually started talking to me about demons and about forgiveness and about other false religions because, you know, I'm going to be honest, kind of telling myself a little bit here, uh, I believed in um, uh, premonitions. I believe that Satan uses premonitions, God uses visions because God's visions will come true. Premonitions are kind of almost like witchcraft to some degree. And so I honestly at that time believed that there were aliens out in outer space walking amongst us, you know, and they're fallen angels or they're God's angels looking out for us. But the devil had me believing that there were actual aliens out there. And so when Derek started talking to me about this, or the Lord started talking through Derek to me, he started telling me about demons and all that kind of stuff. And he said stuff to me I had never heard in the church in a long time or I had never heard before. When he mentioned about demons, to me, I was like, demons? What are demons? I didn't know what demons were. And I would come to find out what they were. So he started talking to me, and he started talking to me. And the more he started talking to me, the more everything started to make sense. And the Lord started to unravel and break the stone or the strong man that was in me. So I went home, and I had a little Nelson Bible that my parents gave me in 2000. And I started reading it. 
And I said, Lord, I want to stop smoking. And I want to stop drinking. And I want to stop living a worldly life. But I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. And when I prayed that, it was just like this heavy, the heaviest weight in the world started to come off of me. And two weeks later, he would take smoking away from me. Drinking was harder because I wanted to stop, but I, at that time, it was still, to me, it was still my God because that was what got me through my depression for the past two and a half years. So it took a little bit longer for him to take that one away from me. Then in March of 2014 would be my last drop of alcohol. So he he took that away from me four years ago. And I have not had a desire for it since. So when people out there say, and this is something that just burns me up inside, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, I say, through the grace of God, you're wrong. Because once he saves you, he can take all that away from you. Because I am living proof that he can do that. Now, I didn't have a strong will. I was a very weak individual. Emotionally, I, I had terrible insecurities. I've got three tattoos on my body because I wanted to be like the military crowd. You know, people get tattooed from head to toe. Well, thank the Lord, I only got three. But there are demons in that too. There are. And people don't realize it, it's just once you get one, it's really hard to stop because of the demons that are in those things. And... um that's why gangs use them. That's why prison systems uses them in, in other situations. So that way they put their stamp on you as to who you are. And I use those today to tell people about who I was before Jesus Christ came to save me and who I am now. And so once that started to take place, I started reading the scriptures, and for the first time, the Bible came alive to me. And it's interesting because I know Derek and I were talking this about this a while ago. It's like, it's as if the scriptures don't make sense until we are actually reborn in Jesus Christ because it says this is his living word. So it's a living, breathing organism. It has life. It gives life. So if that's the case, if it's a living, breathing organism, we have to be born into Jesus Christ to understand his living word. We have to, to see his word through his eyes. And when we can do that, then it comes to life to us. Because before then, we're carnally minded. After then, we're spiritually minded. Now, do I still fight with the flesh? Of course I do. Uh, I've, I have battled, to be honest with you, to be quite frank, I have battled with my own insecurities since 2000 and whatever. And it's just been recently in the past couple of months that the Lord told me, Excuse me. Every time I get ready to take you to another level or every time I get ready to sanctify you, the devil always runs to the area of your life that are not covered by me. And one of them is insecurity. And so that's what happens. And then he told me, the Lord told me about a month and a half ago, you have got to stop letting the devil steal your joy. Forget, forget about thinking about getting married. Not that he doesn't want me to. He just doesn't want me to focus on it. Forget everything else and focus on me because of the days that we're living in are too short. If I want you to have something, I'll give it to you and you can trust what I give you. But you've got to let go of it and give it to me. When I did that, 
it was like another weight came off of me. Because it's true. The devil always runs to the areas of our lives that are not covered by the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not fully sanctified in him. To pressure those points. So we not think about salvation with others. Not think about the Lord wanting us to put us here or to place us there. So, you know, that's pretty much my, I mean, that's pretty much my testimony in a nutshell, the short version. Uh, and when I was, I will say this, when I was a young person, I hated going to church. I couldn't stand it. I had better things to do. I'd rather be at home watching my TV shows. Religion. Now that I am truly saved, this is all I want to do is tell people about Jesus Christ. Am I the best at it? Do I, am I still always obedient unto the Lord? No. But I recognize it. I recognize that I need to grow stronger in the Lord. It is a constant growth process. It's a constant, okay, you start out as a child and then you grow up for however long. And so it's a constant drawing closer to the Lord and, and not getting complacent and not getting comfortable in this life because the flesh would love that. The flesh would love for us to just sit back and relax and, and chill and not worry about anything or not be, con- you know, concerned. I won't say worry, but to not be concerned about the times around us, the people that are living in these times and how great in need of salvation. And so I do believe that the Lord allows these little perks to happen, like with what California is trying to do with the Bible, what Chicago is now doing, saying that homosexual uh, history, will, will, it's mandated they be taught in the school. So I believe that the Lord allows these things to happen in our life, that we see them because he is truth. Love is not feelings and emotions and, and all that. Love is truth. So if, if God really loves us, he's going to say, hey, guess what? This is what's coming. I don't want you getting comfortable. I don't want you getting complacent because if you do, when all this persecution starts to happen, you'll get taken away just like everyone else will. I don't want that to happen to you, so I'm showing you this now so it doesn't happen to you, you know. So, but my, I mean, that's pretty much my testimony. I mean, do you want me to go right into what I have, or do you have anything to ask or comment? Well, I have, uh, so many of us have similar uh, backgrounds and stories Mm -hmm. in the phone world. You know, I was an, quote, unquote, an alcoholic. Actually, I was a drunk. I don't believe mm-hmm. in the, the the label alcoholic. And for about three and a half years myself, it was a fifth of Jack Daniel every night. That, like you said, gets really expensive uh, drinking. And <laughs> anyways, mm-hmm. uh, that was a long time ago. So it's been what? To, oh gosh, that dozen, fourteen years, whatever. I can't remember. I used to be Mister AA. Uh, <laughs> Started meetings and sponsor guys and mm-hmm. did the steps a whole bunch of times and all that. And I remember one day um, in the the middle of a, the beginning of a meeting, they're doing the, their opening prayer, mm-hmm. and um, I fell on my knees and I just, something just caused me to fall on my knees and I was like, "Oh God, uh, we're not praying to the same God, are we?" And He took me out and then it's been like. Uh, yeah, for me it's been six years, so yeah, it's trying to you know. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Oh yeah, the um, giving up a lot of the things of the world have not been uh, easy for me. That's for sure. That's for mm-hmm. sure. 
But he did, he did, you know, one thing he did take away, you were talking about like marriage and so the opposite sex and, and sex in general and how important that is in your life when you're living carnally. Uh, you know, one thing, he took that away from me just like that. Mm-hmm. He saved me. That's one thing he took away. The uh, alcohol had already left, but uh, the one thing I've been struggling with, believe it or not, is smoking. So <laughs> that's the one thing that he's like, and like, God, why, is that, why do I have to struggle on and off with that thing? Come on. And, uh, you know, I've had all sorts. Of, it's just like, okay, I think I think I understand why he's allowing me to struggle with it. Mm-hmm. It's because of um, uh, pride. I'm kind of an egotistical guy. And so I think he loves me to, to still struggle with that, to humble me, to keep me humble and remind me. Of that. And that may not make any sense, but I think he allows it. I think he'll eventually relieve me of it like he has everything else. But for now, he's just like, I think I'll just let this linger a little longer because I tried everything, deliverance and everything, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so anyways... It's the most maddening thing in the world. But, you know, I guess it, it's to remind us, too, that, you know, it could, it, the, the things that we go through, like you said, your insecurity. I mean, one thing I have, uh, I, that insecurity thing, that left a long time ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, and for me to be so arrogant is to think I could just start my own show and do whatever and share my journey with people. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, that's not my problem. <laughs> my problem is the complete opposite so yeah, well but it's interesting you know your path and then you know Derek you know he's he's the one who uh, what a spirit filled uh, blessing a man of God and uh, I'm sure he'll hear this and I'm not puffing you up Derek or making you more than you are I know. but God he really has anointed Derek he really has to be a teacher, and also this is great faith. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. I have looked a long time on the Internet, to be honest with you, to find someone that would just say it the way it is. Not be, you know, this wishy-washy, cream mm-hmm. uh, puff nonsense. You know, I'll give you a couple of verses and then give you some right. moral message. You know what I mean? And she knows. It, it, where it's all about you and not about God, you know what I mean? I know one thing. I, I have, uh, I do have a, a really. That's one thing God's given me is a wonderful personal relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, my prayer life is amazingly as as is really improved, especially thanks to uh, spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and demons. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah something I didn't know too. And in fact, uh, you know, here's you know, I was, I didn't even know about that aspect of our faith and how it, that completely went over my head when a, such a huge portion of our Lord and Savior's ministry was dealing with these things. But for you know the first five, what four and a half years, it just went right over my head. So, uh, but God, He He really uh, He let me fall from grace one more time to really wake me up so but i think the reason why i did that is so that use of be a useful tool for him you know what i mean i think that's what it all comes down to when you finally realize this life isn't all that that important and mm-hmm. you're really not all that important and that god's so much more important 
than you. Yes. And if you just focus on serving him first and just forget about all the things of this world, he'll, he does he does provide it. I know a lot of people that makes yes. no sense because of the world that we live in. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that you were in the military, which, you know, it's mm-hmm. that's that says uh, a lot about probably your background as a child, as a, as a young girl growing up. And then, you know, as far as opportunities and all that, and, and, and living two years on an aircraft carrier, my goodness, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of testosterone there. That's a lot of people on there. They're, 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 yeah, you're, you're in close quarters. And, um, you know, I think we had 6,500 people when we were on deployment on the ship. And uh, 2,000 of that is ship's company, which means you're stationed to the ship. So 2,000, just regular 2,000 people are stationed to the ship, and the other 4,500 are the air division that come onto the ship and take care of the, the, the jets and everything. So, you know, I call it a city on the sea. They're not joking. It really is. But it's really hard, you know. Kind of a dangerous job, too. Is it? I don't know if it still is, but I know uh, I, I knew someone in, who's in the Vietnam War who was on an aircraft carrier, and he's talking about all the, mm-hmm. the planes cra- crashing into the aircraft carrier and all that kind of stuff, and it's kind of dangerous. So, I, mean, I don't know if, it, if it's improved since their technology. Um, but, um, yeah, it must have been uh, one heck of an experience for you. Uh, an eye-opener, huh? Now, it definitely said, was, yeah. Go ahead. Now you're you're from you said Tennessee or North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, so yeah. a gal from North Carolina that ends <laughs> up on a, an aircraft carrier. That's a that's a eye opener. It was like me when I I took a one way bus ticket to Northern California after high school. This was years ago. I'm fifty. So. Um, yeah, so that would, and I was uh, ended up uh, for a while being a forest fire fighter, and worked mm-hmm. for the California Conservation Corps. So I was working side by side with convicts and uh, folks, you know, uh, Mexicans and Hispanics and Native Americans, and boy, talk about waking up <laughs> real fast to what the world yeah. is, and so. But you know, as far as God, you know, I grew up a Mormon, so, and but you grew up a Baptist, right? Yes, I grew up a Baptist, and funny thing is, is that during, I knew God was there, the whole time. I knew He was there, but I had my own. I wasn't a Christian. I will not say I was a Christian, but I knew He was there, and I knew I wasn't saved, but I could just sense His presence was there. I, I can't even truly explain it. But it was maybe I had because of my upbringing, you know, he would just constantly, you know, tap on my shoulder. Hey, you know, he he saved me from, you know, numerous situations. I shouldn't be here. And uh, driving home drunk, busy highway, don't remember how I got home. You know, that was him. He was guiding my car the whole time because I, I black, you know, I <laughs> blacked out. <laughs> Not literally, but like, you know, I just wasn't there. And just other situations, I, I never, you know, I never ended up pregnant. I never ended up with a disease. And so he just guided me, you know, because I, I look at other women out there today who are, they have children through those relationships. And I'm like, that could have been me. And he didn't allow it to happen. And sometimes I have question is like, 
I don't question God. But it's like, why did that happen to them and why did it not happen to me? But at the same time, yeah. I also wonder, well, maybe they were given more you. chances. Or they, they may have, that too, yeah. Maybe they were given more chances to not do that than I was. You know, you never no, know I, the I, actual reasons, you know, for... You know, I'm, uh, I'm reading uh, Job right now. One of the things that I committed myself to do uh, on the talk show is that I, I'm, I'm reading the Bible from beginning all mm-hmm. the way to the end. It's reading it out loud, and now we're, uh, I'm on the middle of Job. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, um, God's ways are greater than ours. And so oh, totally. even yeah. to make to make the any kind of assumption as far as why or what, you know, it's, I, and I have that tendency, too. But I always check. That's when the guy that checks me says, who are you to ask why? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. You're God and I'm not. OK, what mm-hmm. do I do? For God? <laughs> and, you know, what I hear from you is that uh, and there's a and, uh, there's obviously numerous reasons for why God had you and uh, Derek meet, but you clearly are gifted to share the message, whether you believe that or not, or whether you you recognize that you are. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, you know, it's time is time, and you have this whole Mm -hmm. life experience now to say, hey, listen, go in the way of uh, Babylon, you know, of, uh, uh, jeez, what do you see, Egypt and Sodom and Egypt? You know what I mean? I mean, if you want to go yeah. the way of the world, then there's just going to be nothing but hurt and pain. And I can yeah. tell you this: and all of my mistakes and all that. And I think that he he uses broken vessels like us. He does. Oh, I know he. I know he does. I don't think that. I know he does. So for his own purpose, you know, he's mm-hmm. sovereign. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. So Absolutely. I see that clearly. <laughs> I clearly, I clearly see you as someone who. God is blessed with the ability to share a very important message. And one of the things is, is that if those people that are in the world, because this that's the vast majority, thanks mm-hmm. to a, a corrupt uh, religious system that's been around for a long time, the mm-hmm. television, the public fool system, mm-hmm. and I like, I like the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it is. It's, it's it not is. Yes. Uh, so you know, most people come out of you know, by the time they're 18, they don't have a clue what life is, and so they do their, the thing that everyone tells mm-hmm. them to do. Go to school, go to the military, get a job, whatever, and mm-hmm. just be a good little slave, and, you know, God's mm-hmm. not real. If you think God's real, you can have a God of your of your understanding, like AA. You can find a God of your understanding. Well, that's one of the most yeah. dangerous things you can possibly do, and that's what I did most of my life. Mm-hmm. I, didn't know, I didn't know the true and living God, which is really weird, because I was a Mormon, and we used the King James Bible, and I mm-hmm. could never read it. And you were bringing up also about the fact that something happens supernaturally where you're quickened in the Spirit and the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden you're able to read the Bible for the first time and it makes sense. I remember being a Mormon missionary and trying to read the Bible, and it was an impossibility. <laughs> yes. <laughs> an impossibility. It didn't make any sense. And it was like they give you these... Uh, discussions, these pamphlets, you just study these pamphlets and study the Book of Mormon. And so basically we learned how to be really good salesmen for a Luciferian mm-hmm. religion. And we never, which means you're a good liar. Yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of times 
Well, a lot of us, we were breakdown in tears when we bear our testimonies because deep down inside we knew we were lying. In fact, 60% of all, at least at the time I was a missionary, left the church after or during their mission because of it. So um, mm-hmm. still it's uh, one of the most powerful institutions west of the Mississippi, yes. United States, so, if not the so. I don't want to talk too much about me, but I just want to say is that your life story is important. And so I, th- I think, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit, unless you want to do your, your, your presentation now. Um, I would like to ask you a couple questions about you. One Go thing ahead, is, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, growing up uh, in a Christian church, mm-hmm. I mean, you went to Christian school, you're a Baptist, mm-hmm. in a Christian home as a young gal, um, and, and, you know, there's one thing I can say is that God's used such things to protect his children mm-hmm. until they're ready to, you know, or he's ready for them or whatever his purposes are. Who knows? Um, well, he knows. Uh, but I noticed, you know, a lot of times, like, me growing Mormon, it, and in a way, as, as it truly screwed me up uh, spiritually and mentally, but it did protect me from from getting in much worse trouble than I could have in that mm-hmm. age, so with the, all sorts of things. It's interesting too. Right after my mission, and I was still living in England, and I met my ex-wife there, and I started smoking. And it's like the one thing of all things that I struggle with. And it's almost like like uh, you talk about a stronghold here. It's like there's a certain demon, a certain like it's like this is the blessing you get for preaching a false gospel. Bam. <laughs> it's like so, so many people that, that end up yeah. you know, leaving the Mormon church end up being Satanists or atheists mm-hmm. or a lot of them are drug addicts and alcoholics and all that kind of thing because of I think uh, of the curses that come upon you from the, the certain spirits that are involved with that but what for you now you got Baptists and Baptists don't really believe in um uh, Deliverance and about demons, and it's just like, man, we don't know that. So, um, I'm, was that something for you when you first heard about it that was hard for you to to accept, or by then had you been in the world so long that a lot of the Baptist was taken out of you? And so, was I think you, so. I think a lot of the Baptist was taken out of me, and so when Derek started talking to me about it. Because I, because of everything that I'd seen, uh, it wasn't really that hard for me to, to believe. And I was also, right before I became, right before I got saved, visited by demons on two, two occasions. And I think it was back-to-back, if, if I remember correctly. And tell us it was about in a vision. Tell us about yeah, your visits. The first one was in a vision, and it was uh, kind of like... Uh, I was at work and in the vision. I was at work and these demons came to me. But interesting enough, here's the thing about what they look like. Little green men. I kid you not. That's what they look like with the raisin heads and everything. They look like what the aliens are depicted today. Little green men. They had red eyes. And there was a bunch of them there. So it tells you how many I had. There was a bunch of them just running all over the place. And they spoke to me through their mind telepathically, and they said, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. That's what they said to me, and I woke up. 
And to me, that meant the demons did not want me to accept Jesus Christ. Continue to live your life. Don't worry about it. Then, after I had gotten saved, they would visit me on a huge scale one more time. And I couldn't see them, but I could feel them in my apartment. So before, they were in my mind. Now, they were outside of my mind in my apartment. Huge. They, I could feel their presence. They were to the ceiling. That's how big they were. Now, I have a cat named Princess, and she was laying in the bed next to me so on the wall, and I heard one of them go, like a hush sound. She heard it and looked in the direction it came from. So that frightened me all the more. But <laughs> I started praying in my bed. You know, here I am, a newborn Christian. I don't know what I'm supposed to do but pray. And I'm just praying, Lord, put me to sleep. Lord, put me to sleep. Lord, take the fear from me. <laughs> take the fear from me. He put me to sleep, and that was the last time it would happen. But because of all the stuff that I had done in my life, it was like the Lord tested me right then and there on the spot. And he will do that to Christians, newborn Christians. He did it to the Apostle Paul. So I know he's going to do it to us. You know, he said it to other people. No, you, you have to get these demons out of you now because if you don't, they'll never go away. So that was my sometimes, that was sometimes he allows that you have a sometimes he allows you to have a thorn in your side <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like like you know he does you know depending on who you are and what he you know mm-hmm. i i i i you know it's one of those things but yeah it's it's interesting that you had that experience and it is uh when you are in the presence of evil spirits how that um Especially when you don't, a lot of times uh, when you don't see them, that's even more frightening than, the, 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 that than when you do see them. So. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is also to discover that the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and how they uh, really do honor that and fear it. And mm-hmm. you, that you and I and all those who are blood-bought Christians have the power and authority to rebuke these things, bind these things, and send them where they need to belong. So it's right. amazing when you, then you end up seeing something that's like, you know, twelve feet tall, and you're and it uh, runs away from you. So, uh-huh. anyways, it's one of those things you learn as through yeah. spiritual warfare as you go on. So, I, and it's interesting because you're only like you're four years into this, and God's giving you a good ability to to articulate and express yourself, and plus you have all this experience. So. It should be interesting what he has in store for you down the road. That's for sure. And it's interesting too that you also say that God's, you know, it's pretty much said that you know, time is short. Yeah. And I, yes. I really do think at this point, time is short. It's so important now, not only to deliver for folks, but I mean, it's like you can just see uh, every day the darkness just creeping mm-hmm. and creeping, and creeping, and people are becoming more and more. Uh, I just lost in their in their phones and lost from the, the reality and just yes. Oh my Locking gosh! Yeah, I I just can't imagine what's going to be like in the next couple of years. But anyways, um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things to talk to you about. I mean, it's like, but I want to let you be able to just give your presentation. Then maybe we yeah. Can more. Let's go ahead and do that, and then we can you know. Um, 
I'll go ahead and get started with it. Um, and uh, I'm going to title this, Have You Been So Soon Removed? And before I get into the scriptures on this, um, you know, the other night, you know, It'll be on YouTube very soon, and I, I'm not, this is not what I'm trying to get into. I'm not going to take away from the Bible study that Derek did on Tuesday night, um, but it was called Saints and Sodomites. And to me, to be honest with you, when we talk about these Bible studies, these are my most favorite. Now, some people will say, well, you're just a Debbie Downer. And the reason why I like these Bible studies the most is because it just keeps us in the reality of what's around us and what we are consumed, not like consumed in spirit and in mind, but what everyday society has become consumed with. And so he played a video of of one lady and she talked about her experience and how she came away from being a lesbian and everything like that and how they control the media and the school system and everything. And it's just a reality, it just keeps our minds awake so we don't fall asleep. It keeps our minds awake to what's going on around us. And really what's most unfortunate about all of this is how accepting the Christian church has become to it. And over the course of, I'd say, 20 or 30 years, remember how we were talking about earlier, how Satan just wants to get a little foot in the door. And then years down the road, he just busts it wide open. And this is what's happened. But what I want to ask, Everyone tonight, myself, because when I, when I talk about this stuff, I, the Lord's talking to me too, you know, in, in my life and what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. So what I want to ask every Christian tonight is, what does the Bible say about the world that we're living in? And why we as Christians are starting to accept the world and get away from God's word and what it says. I'm not talking about you judge a person unless it's righteous judgment. I'm not talking hate speech, any of that. What I'm saying is is that we have to look beyond the person to the demon that's controlling them and to tell them how they can come away from a lifestyle that they're living to come to know Jesus Christ. But today, the Christian church has started to accept certain things that years ago they wouldn't. Years ago, they'd say, no, that's wrong. That's not going to be in our church. And I'm not saying people coming in wanting to be saved. But there comes a point in time where it's like, okay, you know, enough's enough. If a person's not going to get saved, the situation needs to be confronted. Because Jesus Christ said, I will take you as you are, but I'm not going to leave you that way. He's not going to just accept you, you know, okay, you come out of the life of me being an alcoholic, uh, a smoking cigarettes and fornication. Yes, he took me as that. He didn't leave me that way. So why as Christians are we starting to accept certain things that we didn't do before? And it goes along the subject. How we've been so how we've been uh how have you been so soon removed? So now they got homosexuals on every single T V show. Homosexual movies. Uh Queen James Bible. Uh, out here in Portland, Oregon, my goodness, forget it. You know, they're teaching in churches. And it's become accepting. And my question is, is that we as Christians, because some people say, oh, there's nothing wrong with watching a TV show uh, like uh, Ellen or other TV shows like that. They're, they're funny. They're comical. What's wrong with that? Well, you're giving Satan a legal right into your home is what you're doing. 
And if you don't find anything wrong with that, with the lifestyle that they're living and what they're doing, then we have to question within ourselves because God's words clearly state what's wrong with it. It's not a happy spirit, okay? It's not a joyful spirit. It is a very hostile spirit. It's a very overtaking spirit. And this is not the subject for tonight. But the subject for tonight is why is we as Christians have we become so accepting to that kind of lifestyle? And today it's considered, by the world standards, almost considered normal. When it is one of the most, when it is the most abnormal lifestyle a Christian a person could live. And some of them say that they're Christians and they love the Lord, but then you have to question what does God's word say about it? No, that's wrong. And I'm going to show you why that's wrong. I'm going to show you how it's wrong and how you can be saved. But today, when we go to church or people go to church, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a rare thing that you can actually talk about Jesus Christ in a church, especially out here. I've noticed it out here a lot. You know, when we go out and we talk to people and we minister to people, you know, I call my family up back in North Carolina. I tell them what's going on, and they're almost, like, dumbfounded by it. Like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, no, this is what happens out here. You tell people about Jesus Christ, and they curse at you, flip you off, help, you know. We may get a couple of people here and there out of the gajillion people that go by saying, I'll take prayer. Talk to me about Jesus Christ. And a lot of people today cannot distinguish between Jesus Christ and religion. They think it's exactly the same thing, and it's not. If people read the scriptures for themselves, then they'll understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people of the time, crucified Jesus Christ on the cross. So why is it today where we, the line has been blurred? Why have we become so accepting to the world standards and not God's standards, not Jesus Christ's standards, not what his word says? When it says in here to always give an account or always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. Well, the problem is, is that you can only give an answer for things that you actually know. So if people don't have that hope down inside of them, they can't tell people. I was that way when I was in religion. You know, we'd go out and we'd go evangelizing uh, the church that I was with back when I was a young person. We'd go door to door and stuff like that and hand out little, uh, it was little um, gospel tracts eight steps or, you know, the Romans road. And it was like eight or 12 steps to, to getting saved, kind of like, you know, AA meetings. Here's the, the eight steps to getting clean. And it's like, no, it's not an eight-step process to salvation. It is a lifelong process to salvation. But that's because the church system has been flipped upside down on its head. Don't worry about talking to people. Just give them a track and, you know, let them go about the marriage. But that's wrong. That's not how it is. But that's how it's become today. Satan doesn't want anyone talking to anybody about Jesus Christ. So, of course, if we become accepting to certain things in this life that we shouldn't, of course, if we don't have Jesus Christ in our lives as we should, we're just going to follow the agenda because the eyes have not been opened. And the remnant is a very small remnant. When it says the gate is narrow, and the way is straight, or the way is straight and the gate is narrow, there's not going to be a whole lot of people saved. There really isn't. The church that I told you about that I went to as, as a young person, 
the pastor, I thought he had been, you know, removed because he teached fire and brimstone. And in the early 90s, you know, with the, with the Illuminati and everything like that and the change in government, uh, New World Order coming, you know, being implanted, everything started shifting left. And he stayed middle of the road. He said, no, you're not going to tell me what to preach. This is what I'm going to preach. This is what the Bible says. What happened? Come to find out they still meet in that church building in the library. It's a very small number of people. So what is God's remnant? Our Bible studies that we have on Tuesdays and Sundays. You know, it's not a packed house. Everyone that comes knows this is the body. This is the real body of Christ. It's lean. So if his church, if his congregation is not billions of people, and it's a small body, we're starting to see more and more of this take place, that the body of Christ, 30, 40 people, maybe 50 people. And that may even dwindle down a little bit. Gideon's army went from 30,000 to 300. So we have to understand, and this is something that when I try and talk to uh, some religious people and they want to fight me on, I'm like, what does the scripture say? What We have to go according to what the scripture says, not what we feel, not what our pastor says, not what seminary says. What does the scripture say? And I want to tell people out there today who are going to Bible college, not against Bible colleges, you can save yourself a whole lot of debt by getting saved and reading the word for yourself and understanding it that way. So uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with if the Lord tells you to go there, but People are going to theology today, theology seminary schools, and thinking that because someone's standing behind the desk with a Bible, they're safe. One of the biggest delusions today is someone going to theology school or seminary is a Christian. Oh, they went to seminary, so they must be a Christian. No, they went to seminary. That doesn't make them a Christian, though. You know, there was one disciple in this Bible that was an educated disciple. And he even said, the Apostle Paul said, I count it all as done. So we've gotten so far removed from the scriptures and what it really says because we've allowed Satan into our seminaries. We've allowed Satan into our churches. We've allowed Satan into our homes, into the lives of our children, into our schools. You want to know why all these shootings take place at these schools? God hasn't been in them since 1966. That's why. So people want to say, where is God now? You tell me. He was kicked out of our country in 1966. Of course this is going to allow to happen, allowed to be happened. But all right, to the scriptures now. Um, but before we really get into this, I want to go to Psalm 103. And I really do want to read here about the goodness of our Lord before we get um, into what you know really is going on and why people are just, struggling with things today and i hope that through this that you know someone out there will get saved you know i i'm in the reality and knowing that not everyone that hears this will get saved but if one person one person gets saved through this message i'm just praying on it so all right mike if you don't have anything to add we'll go to psalm 103 uh in verse one all right bless the no, lord no, nothing my- to add Nothing to add. Go ahead. All right. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgive us all in all that iniquities, who heal us all their diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, those that so that thy youth is renewed like eagles. So, as we know what David's saying here, he's, he's praising the Lord because, you know, David knew what he did. And David uh, knew that he was a man of God. And uh, he did, as, you know, as we know, he asked for forgiveness of what happened. It was he in Bathsheba. And the Lord said that the sword will never leave your, your house. And we, you know, if we keep reading in, in Solomon and everything, that we see that what takes place in his life through that. But even still, he still blesses the Lord for everything that he's done for him. And, and that's, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't bless the Lord as much as I should for all his, his love, all his mercy and kindness towards me. And reading the Psalms just really gives a, a good perspective because it's coming from a bleeding, pleading heart, David, to just say, bless the Lord for everything that he's done. Verse 6. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Now, judgment there means justice. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And we know that he's slow to anger. I know that he's slow to anger. Many times as I've angered, angered the Lord and he has not, you know, <laughs> Done more to me than he what he could have. I know that he's slow to anger. Verse nine. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. And this right here is a verse that I really want everyone to understand. When it says here, the Lord he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He's merciful and he's ever patient. But look at the society we live in today. One that says, like we were talking about earlier, there's no such thing as a Christian nation. There's only Christians in a nation. And so everyone needs to get a real clear understanding and perspective of what's being said here. Because just like what happened with Noah back in those days, in Genesis chapter 6, when the giants were around and the children of Israel or the people at that time were just doing whatever they wanted to, what happened? He wiped their clean and started over again. Now, I did say in his word that he would never do that again with a flood. But it also says, as it were in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So maybe a different kind of flood would come. All right? And it says also in Luke 17, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man, where it rained down fire and brimstone. So he's still giving us a time to get our lives right with him. But we don't know how much time we have left. And we're not promised another day on this earth either. So that's one thing that people got to look at too is that, okay, yeah, he's slow to anger, but he's been slow for the past how many years? Hundreds, thousands of years he's been slow to anger. Sometimes when people get me angry or upset, I can't go three days. So we have to understand what that slow to anger is, but we also don't want to take it for granted either. Okay, if the Lord's calling us, uh, to do a certain thing or to come away from a certain thing, 
He's, he's trying to give us his love and his mercy and his kindness and his long-suffering. But the thing is, is this, is that we have to understand either we're going to choose him, choose the Lord, or he's going to allow us to go off on our own direction. And then, if we don't choose him, we still got to stand before him someday. You know, so it's like he's, he's, he's calling his people. He's calling his people to come to him. So that way we're not going to go, you know, when all this takes place, yeah, we're going to go through some persecution. But, you know, I would rather, like we are talking about, have that peace from the Lord and the joy in the Lord to know that I'm covered with him, that no matter what, life or death, I have served the Lord. All right, verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Amen to that. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And that's true, you know. He, he puts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And that's something that is so amazing to me, is that God can forget our sins. We can't, you know. But why is that? I, I, you know, like you said, we don't question God, of course. But he can forget our sins. We still remember our sins, or we still remember what we did, because there's other people that need to be saved. It's not that we continue in our sin. Of course not. We never continue in our sin. When the Lord takes that away from us, he wants us to stop, because he knows the life that it will lead to. Life with me. I still remember I was an alcoholic. I still remember I'd smoke cigarettes. I still got the tattoos on my body. But he took that away from me to remember it, to tell other people about how they can come out of it. You know? So, but he does take our transgressions away from us if we give it to him. Verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we were that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourish, flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. And that's so true, basically saying our life is as a vapor. You know, we're here one minute, gone the next. You know, we think we, as a kid... It's funny, as a kid, uh, the neighborhood I lived in, I went back there a few years ago and visited small. Like, you know, I was like, man, I thought this neighborhood was huge. But as a kid, everything looks bigger to you because you're, you're small, you're tiny. And then you grow up and, you know, you get older, you get bigger, you get taller, and then you go back and you're like, man, this place is small. It's so tiny. What happened to it? Well, as a kid, you think you got all the time in the world. The world looks huge to you because you're not in it. You're not, you know, fully exposed to it. All you know is your neighborhood, and that's enough. But then as you get older, you're like, man, we really don't have a whole lot of time. You look back, and, you know, 30-plus years have gone, 40-plus years have gone, and you're like, where did this time go? Because our life is as a vapor. But the mercy of the Lord is for, from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto the children unto the children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, in the heavens, and the kingdom ruleth over all, and his kingdom ruleth over all. 
Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So as we're reading here, that we're seeing a, a repeated pattern of, of ye that fear him. Now, there's two fears here. There is a reverence, and then there is, you know, God's a consuming fire. I'm not going to actually obey him. You know, it's better that we fall upon him, broken vessels, than be grounded in the power. Because if we fall upon the Lord's broken vessels, he can fix us. If it's the other way around, <laughs> uh, we don't want to go on the other way around. But he does bless those that fear him and keep his commandments. And it's not because he's a tyrant or anything such thing like that, but keeping his commandments means love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. From these two commandments take all the law and the prophets and Matthew. And why is that? Because when we love the Lord our God, we're not going to place any other idols before him. We love thy neighbor as ourselves, but we don't hate ourselves. And God doesn't hate us. So if we love our neighbors as ourselves, and we love Jesus Christ first, then it's a pure love. It's not a love based on what we can get from that person. It's not a love based on feelings or romance. It's a love of truth. It's a love of Jesus Christ. It's a love of, let me tell you about the only one who can save you from the life that you are living and to bring you into newness of life. That's what his commandments are. That's what happens when we obey the Lord. When it says here, he, he pities his children as a father pities his children. It's amazing how God originally, you know, we're living in a broken society today, and I'm going to get to that in a minute too, but originally he put himself in his, in his creation. You know, God created man first. From the dust of the earth created he man. And then woman was born out of me. And the original creation had something so special, having Jesus Christ as their father. And we can still have that today, you know. But it's just interesting how, you know, marriage, marriage is to me the most prime example of God's love if it's pure. Now, we know that marriage today is very tainted on, on, a, on a grand scale because most people sow the wild oats before they get married. I sowed my wild oats. Um, and so marriage is not very pure anymore. I mean, it's, it's rare that two people save themselves till they get married. It's a rarity because it's looked down upon. I mean, this is Satan's upside-down kingdom. So, um, but the original creation of marriage, um, man, woman, the children, right? And parents love their children. Whatever they do, it doesn't matter what they do. They can just do the craziest things in the world. Parents love their children. That's a reflection of how God loves us. You know, he loves us no matter what we do, no matter what crazy nutbag things that we do, he still loves us. Does that mean he still, he won't cast us into hell if we don't come to know him? Absolutely not. He'll love us even still, but that's the judgment. That is the judgment that he, he, he 
he doesn't want us to go to, but he has to go to. Why? Because there's impurities inside of us. We cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven with those. Our flesh, our sickening fleshly nature, heaven would actually be hell to the flesh. I'm not saying that to the spirit that way, but our flesh could not be able to thrive in heaven. It, it just would not happen. It would hate it there. So, but that's, that's, that's the, the family unit is a reflection for Jesus Christ's love towards us. You know, I think one of the bigger deceptions today is people thinking that God needs us. God doesn't need us. We need God. Parents don't, uh, you know, a married couple doesn't need children. Children need their parents. So everything is just flips upside down and, and so warped today. As to saying, you know, you know, parents need their children. No, parents love their children, but they don't. They don't need that. You know, when you first get married, you're not married, and on the on that day, the the, the minister hands you a newborn baby, saying, "Here, you need this." No, it comes. To, that happens after you get married, but. It's such a, a, a false ideology. It's the, the so-called Christian religion and everything is so warped today. Everything is so backwards today. You have to start with point A, going back all the way back to Adam and Eve. Every single false religion in this world today can be recorded back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. You will be as God. Reincarnation. Hinduism. Buddhism. Uh, you know, you will know good and evil. And your eyes will be open. That's the New Age movement. So, and through that, with Nimrod and what he did at the Tower of Babel, he's the father of all false religions, but they all can be recorded back to the very beginning. Back to the beginning. But, you know, most so-called Christians today don't even understand that story. They don't even understand the Garden of Eden story. They say, oh, you know, the serpent came, uh, Eve ate from an apple, and they were kicked out. There was a little bit more to it than that. It was the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those three things took place right then and there in the garden. But if we don't understand that story, to some degree, we can't even understand the, the rest of the scriptures. I mean, yes, the Lord will give us understanding. But it's not, it's only in part. It's like we have to understand the very beginning to go further on. You know, it's just like, uh, I'm not going to say the scriptures obviously is not like any other book. It is a living, breathing organism. Let's say you start reading a book, you know, uh, whatever your favorite book is, you start reading it. Where do you start? You start at the beginning, right? You don't start halfway through. Because why? You wouldn't understand the story if you didn't start at the beginning. If you start halfway through a book, it's like, okay, you're cheating yourself because you don't know what's going on because you didn't start from the beginning where it all started and read it all the way through. Same thing is with the scriptures. If we don't understand what took place there in the Garden of Eden, what really took place in that situation, it's as if the rest of the scriptures really does not come alive yet. There's, there's lack of understanding, and that's exactly what Satan wants. Satan does not want to be exposed. He doesn't want people understanding that story. He doesn't want people to understand who he really is. But, I mean, to some people, he doesn't even exist anymore. 
because he's in the church. He's behind the pulpit preaching the messages nowadays. So it's like, okay, that's the question. That's the question on how you've been so soon removed. Because people can't even tell that the person behind the pulpit is not even saved. They're just, they're, they're, they're even preaching, this is another one nowadays. They're preaching from the King James Bible, which is the only Bible I read because it's the only one that comes alive to me. It's the one that speaks to me. It's the most accurate Bible. Since, and I don't care if it's called King James, but it's the fact of who wrote it and its accuracy. The other versions today misinterpret purposely, have whole chapters taken out purposely. The Queen James Bible, you can draw your own conclusions on that one. But if we don't understand the scriptures, and if we're not reading these scriptures for ourselves, which the Bible tells us to do, and have that hope within us, the hope of Jesus Christ, then we're going to be so far removed. Okay. From there, we can go to Galatians 1. Do you have anything you would, you would like to add, Brother Mike? No, nope. I'm just enjoying what you're sharing. I, I'm in agreement with uh, most things that you're saying. Uh, okay. The only thing uh, that I would... Uh, that I would say is uh, as far as the fall of man, the fall of this world, it's always been, there's never been a, only the illusion of a good old time, a glory time, a, a, a better day. You know, in other words, a lot of folks, they talk about, well, before World War II or before the, the, the Bible was taken out of the as church or school. Now, there certainly are correlations with what, we're saying there, but if we look a little closer about some of this stuff, we'll find out that the Bible was actually misused most of the time in school uh, mm-hmm. to help them to, for drum beating, for you know, for, uh, and for war, and for justifying war and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and oh, yeah. things were never things were never great here, uh, and they're never great anywhere. Uh, it's just the fall. It's been. I mean, it's just amazing reading the Old Testament again, and just the amount. Okay, yes. Yeah, so, so there was, you know, the, the, the Israelites, and they had to, to battle all their different other ites, and mm-hmm. uh, basically encompassed we say the Canaanites, uh, and, and most of that. Although there was giants, definitely there was giants, and that's a big equation to all this. But it's not the biggest equation. All these people were practicing all this this sorcery, witchcraft, uh, Mm -hmm. pedophilia, homosexuality, incest. Uh, They were really a perverse, you know, human beings by nature without the mercy and grace of God and even him intervening with those that don't even know God. Human beings by our nature will do terrible things. Mm-hmm. think it's okay in order to make themselves feel good. So I guess my point is, is that, uh, you know, it's, uh, that uh, things are definitely getting darker, but they've always been dark. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's only the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And yeah. so this is the only hope that mankind has. So 
Uh, I'm not in disagreement with you. I'm just uh, pretty much saying, you know, uh, it is self-evident based on the scriptures. And it's a great source, you know, when you read the scriptures. And a lot of times people say, well, you can't do the isogesis thing or, you know. Uh, But, you know, I I think it's a very wise thing to do to apply it to your day and in the sense that, okay, this is what the folks, the Israelites were doing at the time. This is what they were dealing mm-hmm. with. And when they back into apostasy and when they rejected the Lord God, and this is mm-hmm. what happens. And then we look at it today and we see the same thing. And, yeah. and I would have to argue the biggest portion of why, who actually re- rejected God, uh, were the, were, was even more than just the school. It was, Society as a whole, parents, yeah. parents, and, yep. and, and, and what the biggest curse, I don't think, was necessarily taking the the Bible out of the school as much as that wicked and demonic device called the television. Yeah, that was yes. specifically designed to destroy the family. Get people mm-hmm. to be in, in a trance-like state. Get them to not be reading the Bible. Get them to just, you know, uh, all you know, focus on other things. And then also, if you look at radio too, radio was another yeah. masterful tool of de- the devil as well, and it's particularly with the FM channels and all that. So it's 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 the, the and then of course then it just goes on and on. I mean, that's one of the things I'm going to actually be doing. I'm going to be doing a video talking about what actually happened, mm-hmm. what happened to us, and um, as far as that, the strategically, the ruling elite, the black nobility, the people that actually worship the Lucifer, Satan, and, uh, and other fallen angels, um, and, and, and demons, and how they've used technology to totally enslave us. And the only mm-hmm. thing, and the only one, whether in this life or the life to come, that can free us and make us, break us from the bonds of this world is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yeah. that means having a personal relationship with him. So uh, I just, you know, if you get me talking, that's a dangerous thing. That's you know, <laughs> But Derek, no, I try to shut up because I, I will go on on a different tangent. So, but the thing is, is uh, that this is so important for us to realize mm-hmm. that this place is since the fall mm-hmm. has been nothing but it. It's there's never been a oh, there's only been the illusion that things were better back then. It never was better back then. No, it's I just, don't agree with you. I think it's just gotten a lot worse. I think that. There were stronger Christians, you know, 40, 50 years ago than there are today. Much stronger Christians. And I think that there was a time, though, that the government did fear the church because the church at one time was at proper standing. I'm not talking about, like, civil war and uh, race riots and everything like that. Of course, you're right. I don't disagree with you. People have always used the scriptures to in some some way, shape, or another, to misinterpret God's plan. I mean, it has been that way from the beginning. 
to control their people. It's, 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 yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a tool of a control mm-hmm. to manipulate the naive. And the, but, um, yeah, and there's nothing, too, that's going on, too. Because God is, everything's starting to slowly, but surely, actually, maybe slowly to me, but because of how, how delusional I was before God got a hold of me and I had no idea. Being a man of the world, I thought I had it all figured out. But I didn't. I had no clue at all what was going on. And mm-hmm. but slowly but surely, God is revealing piece by piece, and everything's going to be revealed. And I think what the thing is, too, is that we have to take into account, too, as Christians at this moment, that God is revealing so much to us. He's just revealing. He's, he's just literally, everything's going to be revealed. None of these mm-hmm. secrets are going to be hidden any longer. Where back then they were hidden, but now through this tool that's actually been used, actually, supposed, you know, the Internet is supposed to be used to track us and, you know, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's actually, at the same token, revealing to uh, God's ch- children, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, the magnitude of what's always been going around, what, how enslaved we've been, how we've been entrapped and snared in and Babylon, and Babylonian mm-hmm. system, uh, satanic system, and so, and the more and more we're learning, more we realize how desperate we need Jesus, and I think he's allowing all this, so to even a thick knucklehead like myself, a guy that uh, <laughs> can wake up, because that's how bad it is, I mean, it's, you know, and I think, you know, I think you you can understand where I'm coming from, from your own background, mm-hmm. you know, of how absolutely oh, yeah. delusional and lost we were and have been and how victimized by the satanic system. So it is going to be, and here's the other thing too, I think with this final days and the final judgment, there's it's going to be like a point where there's going to be no excuse. You know oh, what absolutely. I mean? Yeah. You can, you know, he's going to reveal yeah. everything. So if you want to know the truth, it's right there. He'll it's, give it, yeah. put it in your heart to know the truth, and mm-hmm. and then you. But many of the people will because they won't, they don't want to know the truth. Then they they really can't. There won't be no. Comp- there's no way of a. There's no defense for us to uh, say. Well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> God, and, give me a break. I mean, judgment's going to be pretty harsh in this last generation. Yeah. Too. I well, interesting so. that you say that because uh, I don't know. Have you heard of the God's God Not Dead, God's Not Dead movie? Uh, maybe I have, but I can't think who was in it and, and who, what is it about. Okay. Oh, was it? Oh, was it a movie that's in the movie theaters for a while? Yeah, yeah. The the third one is in the movie theaters right now. They made three of them. Uh, the first okay. one was I, about uh huh. I don't go to movies and I don't watch television, so sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. No, and that's fine. I mean, you know, they come out to like Cure Flix and DVDs and stuff. But So the first one was about uh, a young kid battled his professor, professor who was an atheist. And, you know, the young man believed in Jesus Christ and creation. Second one was about a teacher who was using Jesus Christ as an example and one of her, her students asked her a question. And she answered it with, you know, the life of what Jesus Christ did. And she ended up going to court over it. You know, they sued her for it. 
I haven't seen the third one, but it pretty much deals with the church. And I haven't seen that one, but it's it's interesting that you say God will use certain tools. So when the judgment comes, we don't have an we won't have an excuse. Now I remembered when I was in my teenage years in the '90s, Christian movies were like some of the worst movies ever made. You know, very cheesy, very just you know watered down. But it seems like now the script has been flipped. And it's as if, to some degree, he's using the movie screen. And that, I believe, is one way he shows his mercy. I'm not saying that every Christian movie that comes out great. You know, most of the time I, I won't watch them because of how watered down they are. I'd rather watch a documentary that actually gives the, the, the real-life history of a real Christian that went through real persecution. And... But some of these movies are really portraying what's going to happen. And in the second one, the defense attorney said to the court, uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase what he said. But he said, this shouldn't, you know, he was using a different tactic here. He, you know, he was playing to some degree devil's advocate. But he said, uh, we shouldn't tolerate this in our schools. You know, if this is not taken away, then uh, we should take away their, their freedoms. We should take away their homes. And if that doesn't work, well, then there's always, you know, you can always throw them in prison. And I'm just paraphrasing what he said. But it's interesting because that's exactly what's going to happen in our own country. So these movies... To some degree, to some people, that that's all they watch. It's an eye-opener. You know, we are going to be without excuse. That's if the Lord, okay, I put it on the big screen for you. What more do you want from me? I put it right in your face. And it's just so interesting how these movies are, and some people are like, well, that's too scary. I can't watch it. Like, you better be scared now than before standing, you know, standing before Jesus Christ. Get scared now because this is the reality of what we're living in. But he's using, like you said, every means that we have now to talk to us, to to say to us, hey, get saved now. Because when the persecution happens, it's going to be too late then, unless you're someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ and you can get saved in that time. But it's just interesting how he, what he's using, what he's using today. And, you know, it's just every means. I mean, that is such an awesome that's just so how awesome and gracious our Lord is, is that he's going to the depths that he's going to to save his people. You know, he doesn't even have to do that because he's righteous and he's pure with everything that he does, but that's just how much he loves us, is that he's going to use whatever means necessary to get our attention. And it could be at someone's funeral or whatever, and that's just how gracious our Lord is, is that he will use whatever it takes to reach our life so that way when we stand before him on that day, I used every possible means and you still denied me. So what waits you is hell. I tried to take you out of this life. I tried to give you love, pure love, and you still denied me. So, I mean, yeah, that's just, it's really awesome what he's doing. So, um, if it, in the same token, though, he drew you in. That's the amazing thing, too, is that mm-hmm. he found you. You didn't find him. He found you. Exactly. He, he, 
and he uses uh, Derek as a tool to bring you in, and that's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. Well, okay, well, you said you wanted to read uh, some more. Yeah, yeah, Go I got some more scriptures here. Um, I don't know, if we, we're probably not going to be able to get all of them, but um, this is the one that it's really based off of, so I'm going to go to this one here, and this is Galatians 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before um, before him. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading Ephesians, and I'm supposed to be in Galatians. <laughs> All right, I knew it didn't sound right. Galatians 1. All right, Galatians, we'll start over. Galatians 1 in verse 1. <laughs> well, what's interesting, uh, you know, about, you know, being chosen from the foundation of the world, type of thing. Mm-hmm. it does kind of verify a little bit. I mean, you know, God had his eye on you all along, so that's kind of Amen. cool that is, to think about. Yeah, it says, I think that he wanted me to go there first before I went to Galatians because I was supposed to go to Galatians and the whole time I'm sitting in Ephesians. So, yeah, I mean, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is sometimes how the Holy Spirit works, that's for sure. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yes, we found that out numerous times in Bible studies. All right, here we go, Galatians 1 and 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who hath raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you in peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, who gave himself for our sins that we might, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God. And our Father. So that verse right there is very interesting because it says He gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us. So that might deliver us means, okay, hang on a cross for your sins because I'm the only one who can do this. So you might get salvation. It's something that we have to choose. It is a choice. He died for all mankind because He's the only one that could do that. He's the only one. And I say is because he's sitting on the right hand of God the Father today. He is alive. He's the only one pure and holy who overcame the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Didn't give in to Satan when he came to test him in Matthew chapter 4. He didn't give in to him. But the thing is, it also says in the scriptures that he was tempted of every single thing that we were tempted of. Every single thing that we go through, he went through. It didn't give in to it. You know, some people say, well, you know, he, he was God. Of course he could get over it. He was God in the flesh. So he battled with the flesh too, but he crucified it. When he fasted, guess what? The devil came to him because during that time of fasting, his flesh was weak. He was hungry. You know, 40 days, you know, sometimes I go three or four days, 40 days. So during that time, that's when the devil came. Do all this stuff, and I'll give you the kingdom. He said, 
I serve the Lord thy God. He told him to get out of here, you know, and he left for a season. But he battled it just like we did. He was human just like we were. But he had God the Father in him because he came forth from God. So what is he saying to us? How do you come over, overcome this world? We've got to have Jesus Christ in us. That's the only way to overcome it. The only way. So praise the Lord. You know, some people say, well, he didn't give in to the devil because he's God. Yeah, he's God. But he took on our flesh. He took on his own creation to crucify it on the cross. I mean, to me, that is just, I heard one gentleman say, if you were in a court system, I come in, you know, you get 30, 40 years in prison. I come in, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm going to walk up to you and say, I'll do your time for you. 30, 40 years, lifetime sentence, I'll do your time for you, and I didn't do anything wrong, I didn't commit murder, I didn't uh, commit any sodomy, I didn't do anything like that, I didn't, you know, go off and, and try and sell drugs, but I'll take your prison time for you. Jesus Christ came down here, and then he also went and got the keys to hell, and, you know, ministered, says in Peter, ministered to the demons that were there, he came down to defeat hell, to defeat death on the cross, so we could do that. So we through Jesus Christ could do that. And that's just something that in Isaiah 53 talks about what he went through. And it's hard to read that scripture without crying, literally crying tears because of everything that Jesus Christ took on us. He took our beating. He took our lashings. And he gave us a way that we would not have to end up in hell. You know? And so to me it's just such a, it's more than a story. It's life. It's the reality of life. You know, but today everyone's taking it so lightheartedly. So I get off on this, but we'll keep reading here. Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, that there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, those two scriptures right there are very key because he says another, but then he says it's not another gospel. It's the same gospel, but what they're doing is they're taking the scriptures and they're tickling people's ears. He was preaching this back then and it's taking place today on a larger scale. That means it was going on back then, but today it's everywhere. Today people are perverting the gospel of Christ because they can get away with it. Why? Because the congregation is as dumb as sheep. No one's reading the word for themselves anymore. No one has the understanding. And most of the people in there are not saved to have the understanding. So that's why we got the Joel Osteen's today. That's why we got the T.D. Jakes today. And uh, Joyce Myers and Tyler Perry dressing up like Mindy and saying he's a Christian. That's why we have all these things today. Because people are not reading the scriptures for themselves and understanding what the walk of a real Christian is all about. So what we do, go to church on Sunday, Wednesday, or some revival during the week, pay our tithes, and the rest of the time live like hell, live like the devil. Because I know I did. So I know that's still going on today on a larger scale. But the gospel is being perverted because people are not 
righteously judging the man behind the pulpit. Uh, he's got a degree in theology. So what? What is he teaching you from the scriptures? Wake up, people. We have to wake up to know what's really in this Bible. And if you're not saved today, I'm not trying to teach a hard message here to, to push it on you. I'm trying to say, if you don't understand what this scripture says for yourself, maybe in actuality you're not even really saved. Maybe in actuality you need to get down before the Lord Jesus Christ today, this very night, and ask him for forgiveness so you're not deceived in a lie any longer. One of the biggest deceptions to these days is people are afraid the man behind the pulpit. They have put him on an idol. Big, big mistake. Huge mistake. That is not supposed to happen. Jesus Christ is the only one we worship. And if we are going and saying that the man behind the pulpit is right on every single thing that he says, even though it doesn't follow the scriptures or it's half-truths, half-truths are good enough for Satan, then you're just, you're going to, here we again, we're here at it again. We're getting far removed from what the scriptures actually says. Verse 8, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto preach any other gospel unto you than that we than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we had said before, so I now say again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please them? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Jesus Christ of Christ. So Paul is making it very clear here. You got two choices to make. You either gonna please man and do what he tells you to do and pervert the gospel, or you're gonna please Jesus Christ. But you can't do both. There's no way to do both. And that line has been perverted and it has been blurred in the church today. Because they're not preaching the real gospel of Jesus Christ. We're probably not going to have time to, to get to it, but Second uh, Corinthians eleven seventeen through twenty three uh, talks about what Paul actually went through to be to tell people about Jesus Christ, and it was a very grueling process for him to go through. He didn't complain about it either because the disciples, the apostles, the Christians of this time knew what they signed up for. They knew that there was persecution waiting around the corner. They counted it all as joy. But today we, we get someone looking at us the wrong way and we get upset. Why? We've been so far removed. So soon removed from what the scriptures actually said. This is a warrior's manual to being a Christian. When I was in the army, we had a warrior's manual that we had to take everywhere we went. And it was a how-to guide on what to do in certain situations. The scriptures is the same thing for the army of Jesus Christ. It is a warrior's manual. This book, these scriptures, are bathed in blood of the apostles, bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ, bathed in the blood of the old prophets, uh, of you know the Old Testament. So you know we're not afraid to tell people of what would happen if they did not believe in Jesus Christ. You know, and power was given unto the disciples. And you got people in the Baptist churches today saying that that can't happen anymore. And I'm here to tell people today, 
The reason why you say that is because people are not manifesting it in their lives, but the scriptures today is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God doesn't change. We change. So that's what it is. And I'm speaking to myself when I say this because I have not fully had the Holy Spirit manifested in me to perform certain gifts. And I'm asking the Lord to forgive me and to fill me with his Holy Ghost. But I know what it takes. These scriptures are real. You know, the healing power of Jesus Christ is real. I have not actually performed it myself, but I've seen it happen. I've been involved when it was there. And I say, you know, I don't want to work for the world anymore. I don't want to do a whole nine to five anymore because it takes away from my, my focus on Jesus Christ and living a full life under him. You know, all right, let's keep reading here. Verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So Paul's saying here, hey, you remember how I used to be? I used to be in the Jews' religion. I used to do all those things, and I persecuted Christians. I persecuted the real Christians. And here he is, he's a religious person, persecuting the real Christians. So what is that what is that got to, what is what should that tell people? Hey, you know what? Eventually if you don't get to know Jesus Christ for yourself and you stay in false religion, you will persecute the real Christians when it comes down to it. The Bible actually says so. So this is why we need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse thirteen, uh, verse 14, uh, fourteen. And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. The Bible says that our warfare is not against flesh and blood. He's saying that right here. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 years. Um, That's pretty much as far as I wanted to take this in Galatians, uh, I think. Yeah, this is pretty much where I wanted to take it there. But Paul, what he's getting people to understand is this. You can't be a religious person and a follower of Jesus Christ at the same time. Because the religious people persecuted Jesus Christ. The religious people persecuted the disciples. And the religious people are going to what persecute the real Christians today. But people need to have a real understanding of what it's going to take to walk with Jesus Christ. We're not out to please men. We're not out to be accepting of everything. We're out to tell people, hey, the only one that can save you and get you out of that life that you say is so happy and you know inside you're dying because it's not real is Jesus Christ. So, Mike, you got would you, you got anything you'd like to add to that? Amen, sister. That's what I say. <laughs> Some good stuff. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. 
Yeah, it was good stuff. You know, I it's it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and nothing Amen. else. There's nothing nothing added. It's our Lord and Savior, and that's it. And um, developing abiding faith in Him and uh, following Him and falling on your face and crying out to Him and uh, allowing Him to um, do what you cannot do, which mm-hmm. change you from the inside out. You know. A heart of uh, stone to a heart of flesh, and uh, to follow Him. It's interesting that uh, following the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and how that works. So, um, yeah, and 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 learning not to um, argue with it, mm-hmm. and, or that, that's probably not even the right word. The better word is ignore it. Learn not to ignore yeah. it. You know when uh, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, you just do it, and uh, regardless of what else you think is uh, more important to, to you, but what's more important to God? That's right. And you know it's so obvious the spiritual warfare uh, and these spiritual entities how they're all around us and in mm-hmm. us. That this, there's such a battle there, and if you don't have uh, at least a bare rudimental, rudimental, uh, rudimentary, what how am I trying to say that word? I'm trying to say that word, rudimentary. Uh, say it better, I could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it shouldn't be a tongue twister, but my tongue's too big. Um, <laughs> is, is that? Uh, yeah, having abiding faith in Christ uh, to uh, and put on the full armor of God to to defend yourself against the wiles of the devil and his mm-hmm. many, many, many minions. You know, I was thinking, it's one of the things I was thinking as you were reading, but I was thinking of some past, and it was talking about, you were talking about you and Derek, you know, going out on the street and uh, doing some street evangelizing and um, mm-hmm. having uh, people uh, will, you know, say, do all sorts of, you know, absurd things and react uh, harshly towards you. And it's, you know, this whole thing about, you know, when you realize that these people, everyone, if you don't have Christ, and you're not saved by mm-hmm. Christ, and you start, you know, in the deliverance and cleaning yourself up, and you start to see the reality of things and how, so few of them, based on their own ignorance and being open vessels to have these things and dwell them, it's actually the demons inside them that are attacking you. It's not the people. Right. Uh, not to say that, not to say that it doesn't you know affect you emotionally or you know even spiritually mm-hmm. at times. I mean that's the whole intent of these demons in the first place. So, um, but I, I you know uh, I am. Well, first of all, I would say how grateful I am to you and Derek to be willing to do that. Um, if if my health was better, I probably would definitely get out there and do it. Maybe I still will. I don't know. Uh, I do. I, it seems to. I, God gives me opportunities on when I go out. You know, to, to pray for someone or that I don't even know, or or or, or share the gospel with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's just the, the the prompting of the spirit to motivate you to to just you know represent Christ right. here on earth. So 
But I think most people don't want to do that. They're afraid because most people don't <laughs> really know them. And most people, don't even, most people don't even realize that uh, Jesus created you. <laughs> they just think he's some mm-hmm. kind of, some, uh, uh, you know, a wise man, a sage, uh, a prophet. <laughs> you know, but it's it's uh, part of it is too is uh and the fact that we the flesh, the demons still inside mm-hmm. us, and we love to still waddle in the pig pen, man. We, yeah, you know what I mean. It's 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 hard for many people to break free. Um, but then the only way you're gonna is to uh, Christ, so and mm-hmm. learning that, you know, it's it's funny how it is. This whole walk with, with our Lord Savior, it never seemed it. <laughs> it you know the way modern day, uh, well, contemporary, uh, what we call you know Christian um, Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. How it, it it wants to package it all like it's a really nice, to, you know, self help program, and and it is mm-hmm. in one sense. But you know, it's about having in a relationship with your true creator first and foremost, yeah. and it, it, it's not about so much about what you can get out of this, but what you what are you willing to do for your God? Right. You know, and that's one of the questions that all of us as Christians ask is, what are you willing to do? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that profess that they believe and they know that Jesus is God. But then, then they, and, you know, and they want him to definitely want him to be our, we want him to be our savior for sure. But how many of us want him to be our Lord? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that yep. mean to be to be our Lord. And so it's, it's it's one of those interesting dynamics, and it's like part of your personal walk, I think. Uh, as oh, you, yeah, definitely. You, you, as you go through this, and, you know, you go through all the different dynamics, and you see how absolutely, when it comes to the false gospels out there, oh, my gosh, it's just endless. It's a yeah. minefield of deception and confusion and, and uh, distortion and all that kind of stuff. But once you really start to just follow God and his, and just follow him and read his word, and I agree with you as far as the King James Bible, that's m- what I prefer the most. And uh, and definitely uh, there is agenda, uh, as a Luciferian agenda to say the least, uh, about the new uh, versions. So... Mm-hmm better to be safe than sorry and um uh but you know it's, it's like the more and more you do this the more you just it's like you get it's like there's like compa- the compassion of christ comes into you mm-hmm. you start seeing how absolutely it's not about you there's a phase that you go through like where you're you can't believe it uh, maybe a little bit self-righteous about the whole thing not intentionally i think it's just part of our fleshy nature to oh, look yeah. down on those who are so confused. And then it's like, you know, it's like you get to a point, you're just like, wow, God, why me? Why aren't I in the, in the mass? Why aren't I in the, in mm-hmm. the crowd? You know? 
why am I here? Why why do you have me here doing what you want me you know to do and and walk the path that you want me to walk with you and and why aren't I just you know being part of the the masses the herd? Yeah. Why me? What what's so special about me? And then you're just like, well, <laughs> uh, there's really nothing that for the mercy and grace of God go I that I'm here doing anything for Him. I could be on the other side. I could be mm-hmm. a, a pastor that's got like a thousand uh, members of the church in a big building. He has got to worry about not, you know, uh, taking care of the flock, but actually taking care of a building. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, the curse that that uh, this world puts on uh, many of our brothers and sisters is, is quite tragic, actually, when you look at it. So, and uh, and the lies and deception, and how blind we are. So, but you know, Paul's right. I mean, if you just uh, he he was so it's truly inspired by God. You know, to keep it simple, yeah. it's not Jesus. It's about what he did on the cross. You know, it's about him being crucified. It's about what he mm-hmm. he did, what he paid for us. It's about him. It's not about all these rules and regulations and doing this, that, and the other. Just follow him. You know, and naturally he changes you. Yeah. He's gonna cha- he's gonna do all the changing. Uh, yeah, we call upon him for our help and all that kind of stuff, and he will answer our prayers. But there's even more important lessons that gets learned. For me, at least, and that is that he, being God, our meteor to our, our Almighty Heavenly Father, he has been, you know, given all things. He created us all. Like he has basically been charged, and he will do what he wants to do. Amen. And it's interesting, you know, think about that because what we're talking about, and then me reading Job, and then just thinking about him, you know, here's. God let Satan do all this stuff to him, you know, lose everything and have boils all over him, you know what I mean? And, have, <laughs> and yeah, and and it's and it, what what a powerful lesson it was it is to realize that you know what whatever God gives us, we have to learn to love Him. Yep. You know what I mean? And if He allows, you know really terrible things that happen but for his glory then you know it's only it's what we see is terrible for us but and and it can be i mean what happened to job was terrible it was mm-hmm. terrible oh yeah it, yes uh, none uh, of us have ever experienced that so yeah it was pretty terrible but what the, what thing he didn't give up it's his faith mm-hmm. his faith Christ. No matter what, no matter what, he wasn't going to give up on that. Now he complained, and I think that's he did a pretty a normal, natural thing to do. Is but you know what? He had enough faith to go to God to complain to him. Right, and he didn't even have the Holy Spirit. That was before the Holy Spirit came down on people. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he had his faith. Yeah. So I think it's you know one of those things that we also think about is we walk in these dark hours as time keeps ticking is to think about the fact that you know uh that you know uh 
one of the things you've really got to do more than anything else is to make sure we have a real relationship with God, which requires mm-hmm. reading the Bible, reading the Word of God, and then falling on your knees and crying out to And even if it's just like you know, me, like, you know, like today, I was like, God, I don't know what to say to you today. Mm-hmm. All I know is, you know, all the, the spiritual warfare is going on, this, that, and that. I just need your help, and you're awesome, and you're great, and I know you'll take care and get me through all this. But I'm just, God, I just am, uh, I, I'm worn out. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some of your strength, you know what I mean? Give me some of your strength. So. We need it. I uh, mean, we, we seriously need it. You know, I know this, too, is that it says in Hebrews 12 that the Lord will not uh, put more on us than what we can handle. And I really don't like how people have perverted that scripture. And I'm going to use an example that I think that everyone can understand. Is Well, most people can understand is uh, basic training. Since I went through two of them, I had to go through Navy basic training and Army. And Army is a lot more physical. Navy is a lot more mentally challenging. Army is a lot more physically challenging. You know, it's interesting that your first couple of weeks in there, you're worn out every single night of the week. I mean, they push you. You think that they're pushing you to their, your, your limits and that you can't do it. You're questioning, why am I even here? I'm so tired. I don't want to see another push-up as long as I live. And... But as the time goes on, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And two months later, you can pass a PT test, no problem. And then later on down the road, it dawned on you that all that physical condition that they were doing, well, it used to be anyway. Today it's a lot different. But all the physical conditioning that they were making us do so that we could pass our final PT test. And it is hard at first. Especially Army. Army was very physical. You know, we did a lot of obstacle courses, shooting range, heat. You know, they were constantly making us do all these exercises. And they don't push you past your physical limit. They know exactly where to take it. And they keep going on and on and on. And they put us through certain training, you know, training settings. You know, we had to throw hand grenades. We had to shoot an M16. Uh, uh, at the end of the, we had to do ruck marches because at the very end we had to do a 10-mile ruck march. Well, if you don't start out with a two-mile ruck march and then a five-mile ruck march, you're not going to be able to do the 10-mile ruck march. There's no way. Your body's not conditioned to it. Same thing with our Christian walk with the Lord. At first, it might seem kind of hard, like, man, oh, my goodness, all this stuff is really, this, my head's going to explode. I don't know if I can do all of this. Lord knows what we can handle. And sometimes it doesn't seem very pleasant. A lot of the times it's not going to seem very pleasant. But he's going to allow us to go through persecution because he knows we can handle it. You know, some people will say, why would he do that? Uh, Because it's his love? Because of what's about to happen to us? Really happen to us? So he's going to allow little persecutions here and there to take place in our life. So that way when the big stuff happens, it doesn't take us by surprise. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, you know, as far as persecution, I mean, a lot of it is, once again, spiritual in nature. 
And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, at least for me, has been is also as far as, wow, not I mean, not only what a sinner I am, but how sinful the world is and how actually wicked it is. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and then there's also, you know, this whole thing, too, because, you know, one of the it's actually you probably have a better uh, chance communicating with somebody who's a self-professed atheist mm-hmm. or someone just on the street than you are in the church today. Like you said, yeah. it's very hard to um, uh, actually talk about Jesus in church. And one of my experiences has been at all the churches that I've ever been to. I've never once had anybody that was interested in just talking about God after the service. They want to talk mm-hmm. about anything else. And I'm like, uh, and, and so, I mean, that's part of the problem, too, is that they've turned, uh, or not we, they, uh, Satan and his minions and his servants, yep. have turned uh, our church into a social club. So, uh, yes, you know, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> So if you do, like you you and Derek and that small group of your folks get together and do your Bible study and all that, it sounds to me like um, and I'm, that you guys get together because you really are hungry for God and you want to talk to Him. And that's a glorious thing. And that's, you know, uh, that's, you know, if you read the Old Testament and all the way through, that I mean, that's how it's always been. Yeah. The thing is, you know, it's uh, it's shocking to your system and to your your soul when you when you, you realize that reality. Mm-hmm. And and, there, and you're and you will meet many a person uh, who know how to say all the right things and quote you a whole bunch of scripture and all that kind of stuff, but they really just don't. But they but talking about God, they're like, nah. Because you know they they have that spirit of religion in them, and that's what they yeah. know. They know their religion and don't have a personal relationship with God. And I can say personally for me that God put that in me. I've been yearning for God, and He knows this. I know He knows this for years, decades, and calling out to Him and trying to find Him in all different other paths. And he allowed me to do all that, you know. Um, um, you know, he could have spared me all that, but he didn't. And mm-hmm. I'm glad he did because, you know, I now know, I know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Old New Testament, is God. Yes. And, see, that's that's not a religious thing. That's not something like, uh, oh, you're just this religious person, and you're just pushing. No, I'm not. I'm I'm telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I've been interested in is, uh, is to know the truth, the truth about God and the truth about this world. So I have no interest in lying to you or embellishing anything in order to appease you or to make you or anybody else like me because I realize how fruitless that is and hopeless that is. So... Anyways, it's one of those things, and I hope that people, when they hear the whole entirety of our message here, and your your testimony and your personal life experience, and how God has changed you, and and how the power of the Word of God and and and, and who who Christ really is, who Jesus Christ is, will resonate with folks, you know, because uh, uh, there is no literally, and this is a definitively true. I mean, it's for the world as a whole, for sure. 
uh, but you know, for those of God's children that are lost right now and are you know, you know, flopping in the bank of the the river there like some beached fish or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, yeah. that the, the only hope you have is Jesus Christ. And right. and that first love that, that and if you never had that first love then I encourage you to have that, to find that first love because it's not gonna happen in a, in a, in um any of the, the you know the daughter churches of um of, you know, the harlot, you know, the mm-hmm. you know the you know, mystery Babylon. So it's he's made it specifically this way. It's for you. There is actually one of the things that people need to understand too is when you have this sanctification, this journey with God as He transforms you and changes you. He's going to have a road stops along the way to see how much do you really want Him. And most people stop at a church and they mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I want this church." Because they don't really want to know God. Because you know what that might mean? <laughs> you might end up within a church with, you know, a half a dozen or a dozen people. You might end up uh, sharing your testimony to a stranger on the other side of the country named Michael Adams. You know what I mean? You don't know. <laughs> but it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. That's for sure. God, I can reassure you that. And has... He, it, his plan for you is not packaged neatly so that everybody can buy their, you know, twelve dollars and ninety nine cents uh health self help book and uh, get all the answers and then you just mm-hmm. follow the, the eight step program that you mentioned. And uh, believe me, I did I as an AA guru and a and someone who was so lost and desperate. I did the steps in an Alcoholics Anonymous six times. That's a lot. Most people don't even go through it once. I went through it six times, only to find out later God revealed to me that it was inspired by uh, the Jesuits and their, uh, oh gosh, what do they call that now? Anyways, whatever they call it, it's some kind of, it's some kind of thing that pretty much gets you more demon possessed and closer, further away from God than you can imagine. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, this would be this is probably a good time to stop. It has been a real blessing. I can't uh, wait to post this. This should be good. Um, oh yeah, it's been an enjoyable time, and, you know. Yeah, and, this, and my sister in Christ, uh, Sarah. I, I hope that we do this again. So. Um, yeah, totally. And, this is, uh, it's awesome. Thank you, Derek Hallett, and uh, you know, uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, ministries in plural, and you can find dot, you know dot com, and also um, the YouTube channel, and um, you can hear some of what's some more of what Sarah has to share, and how the Lord is uh, uh, transforming her, changing her. I, I, it's good stuff. I love doing this kind of stuff. You know, it's one of those things. If they're like, if anybody would ask me, you know, hey, you want to go play? You want to go to, uh, let's say, I don't know, a Cleveland Brown Pittsburgh game, or do you want to go uh, pay for everything, and, and or do you want to talk about God? This is what I want to do. This Amen. this makes me this makes me feel alive. The That's other right. stuff. I, 
I feel those oppressive spirits. And I went to go get my hair cut today. And I was in that, you know, where, you know, where they call it the salon. I don't know, the barbershop. What are they called? Yeah. Barbershop. Uh, but I, I actually have a lady cut my hair because she's, she's just someone that I've known. So it's, beauty shop. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the beauty shop. And like, it's funny, me walking in there with my beard, I got, I got a goatee that, uh, it's about five inches long now. I go in there and get my hair, you know. But I like talking to her because she, she's been with me for a long time. She knows a lot of what I've been going through. Okay. She's not offended. She's not offended if I mention Jesus. So. And, awesome. uh, yeah. So, um, but I was there and I just praying and praying and just, you know, and for praying for like uh, that because you know they got sodomites there, they got male, you know. Mm-hmm. Beauticians and all that, and acting yeah. all, all yeah, effeminate, and you know, and praying to you know, the tear down, you know, get rid of the this, the the, the uh, sodomite spirit here, and they, and and, and I just so could feel like witchcraft, and so, somebody was there was involved in some kind of, if it's witchcraft or whatever it is, it, it, I. I felt the oppressive spirits around me and then the radio mm-hmm. playing and everybody chittering and, and chattering. And I'm praying to myself, I'm praying to God actually, not to myself. And, um, and I'm just thinking, God, I'm so glad that you uh, have given me this. This is like one of the best defenses when you're in, like in that, in the world and everybody is just talking and it's important to them, uh, and I'm not taking away any of that, but really when you break it all down, it's just adults basically still acting like children, jittering mm-hmm. away and thinking about things that don't really matter. They matter to them at the moment, but as far as eternity and as far as a lifetime, you know, in a week from now, most of the things that they talk about won't make much of a difference. And I'm just... Right. Man, I just wanted to start. Like, I just wanted to start praying out loud and doing all sorts of stuff. So, anyways, yeah, I did. It's funny how that the spiritual warfare, the aspect of it. Imagine that that's something that you've become a sensitive to. So, maybe next time we'll talk more about that because. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm really interested in, and I think it's like one of those things as you grow in Christ. And you really develop a relationship with the true and living God. Guess what? The enemies are right there. Yes, they are. And they yes, don't talk is. about that. See, that's the big problem, the huge problem, the number one problem. A, not explaining to the people really who Jesus is, and B, the spiritual warfare that we're all under. And they don't teach people what's really going on. Because mm-hmm. apparently, they either A, they don't believe it, uh, uh, B, they don't know, C, they don't care, uh, or, which is most likely, D, one, is that they're, that they're so in love with the world that they just don't want to rock the boat. You know what I mean? I, I I just I don't know. I mean, to me, it makes like, but and I can understand too because God hit the first you know two, three years of my journey. I had to go through all sorts of things, you know, go through just trying to understand with the Bible, try, it through fleshly means, you know, through my mm-hmm. own intellect, 
kind of stuff, and not really trusting it in the spirit. And it got me in a lot of trouble. But I learned also a lot about how the world works and what's really going on. And you learn about all the things wrong with Christianity, okay? Yeah. And you know, a lot of us do, okay? We learn about, but we never truly, we know we, we, that we learned that we're uh, sinners, but we never truly understand the dilemma that we ourselves are in and what people really are in in this whole spiritual warfare that's going on. And once God wakes you up to that, I'm like, oh my gosh, now it starts to become real. It's not just uh, a faith, a religion. It's not just what I believe in. It's like, oh my gosh, I know. Now what? (laughs) And when you get to that point, that's a glorious point. That's a point when God can start working on you. And I just think that's great. I can see that happening in you. And you've been blessed with a, a good mentor. I know you have because I've looked uh, quite hard on the, uh, well, in my own turf, if you will, and then out on the Internet world. And there's very few um, brothers in Christ like Derek that just say it the way it is, the way it needs to be said and use Scripture to say it. I mean, you can't really argue with the Scripture if you just read the Scripture to them and then comment. If, the, if it's mostly... Uh, the, God's word, and then you, uh, some of your comment. It's kind of hard to start arguing things. You might not like it. Yeah, you can't argue that's, it. So that's true. <laughs> and I think what helps us as well is a strong body of Christ. Um, really helps as well, and it doesn't have to be a whole lot of people, but just you know, when I was younger, coming out of the Navy, and I had my anger issues and dealing with all that, it just. You know, I didn't have a strong body of Christ. And it's like now if I go through anything, I know I can call out to my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, you know what? I need prayer. My family needs prayer. Uh, I, I'm going through a, a physical illness right now. I need for you guys to pray for me because I know the enemy is attacking me. And there's so much power in prayer. But having a strong body of Christ, having brothers and sisters in Christ that you can say, hey, will you pray for me? for this matter, and then saying, absolutely, never denying prayer. It's just, it's wonderful to have that too. Because, you know, God uses his people. He uses his people to strengthen his body, you know. And so it's a tight-knit family that, you know, family, you know, on each other's nerves every now and again. That's what family does. But it's good to know that there are other strong people in Jesus Christ, that when you're feeling a little down in your spirit, the enemy's attacking you, or you're going to sanctify a fast, and you say, hey, can you pray for me during this time to have a family that you can go to? Of course, we go to Jesus Christ first, and our salvation is hidden in him, and yes, it's an individual body, uh, individual affair with him, but he gives us a family, not through flesh and blood, but through spirit that we can go to, you know. And that just is such a big help. It is a, it's a wonderful tool that he uses. Yeah. The power of prayer, I mean, I never, It's the more and more you, you grow in this, the more you realize, and I never realized, uh, I, I, mean, I knew it was, it was important, but not as important as it is, I, I realize now. You know, because basically what we're talking about is talking to God. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, if you believe, you start talking to them, you know what I mean? And Absolutely. I know that's kind of a, that's one of the things that most people, I think, are afraid of. I think most people are afraid to talk to God because they know what that means deep down inside. Yeah. We all know what that means. <laughs> we need to change and we need to conform, mortify the flesh and conform into God and, and his will and do his, his will. Mm-hmm. Which means all the things that I cherished back then, my music and my art, uh, whether I had a, a trophy wife or, you know, girlfriend or in the job, how much money, all that stuff. And, and that's just, you know, the, some of the icing on the cake. None of it matters. The cake doesn't nope. matter. Nope. Nothing matters. Exactly. Jesus, so. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah. We'll, we'll close in prayer. How's that? And then we'll end the recording and I'll start. Okay. Okay. Almighty oh, oh, God. Oh, precious and true and marvelous God. God of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of the Old and New Testament. The God that created all that is. That breathed life in the man. That gave us your only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior. And I pray to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, yes, that you bless Sarah uh, mightily. That you bless her, oh God, a thousandfold. Bless her if her if for her obedience and her, her willingness to share her testimony and and praise you and the praise of our Lord and Savior. God, how amazing you are, how generous you are. God, you give and take it away, and yet you don't have to do anything. I mean, you could just let us all just, you know, rot in our sins and then this demon-infested pit, whatever you want to call it. Pit's probably not the best word, but I want to, I want to say hellhole, but that's probably not right either. Oh, God. Whatever it is, God, it's, not, it's certainly not as what it should, should be and then God, I can't wait to the day when we can all be together and, and with our Lord and Savior and and praising you and praising him and giving thanks, you know, God. God, just thank you for everything. Uh, not only are our creature needs, but, you know, the fact that we even have a chance to meet some brothers and sisters of Christ that actually believe. Yes, that's, a, that's a miracle in itself, God. And I just want to say thank you, God. And I hope that this this uh, recording will bless you a thousandfold, a millionfold, and bless our Lord and Savior, Almighty God. Thank you for everything, and uh, bless Der- Brother Derek as well for uh, him yes, uh, uh, finally allowing, uh, or not allowing. I shouldn't say that. That's not right. For introducing. <laughs> What am I saying, God? Introducing me to uh, Sister Sarah, and um, gosh, it's just wonderful to. to I just it always makes me happy, God, when I meet a a true brother and sister in Christ. It just brings lots of joy into my heart, and I just want to say thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Thank you, because you know, you know how lonely my path has been, and um. Uh, but part, of, but that's a delusion too. So thank you for, um, for you know, being there the whole time in my journey, and in our journeys, as you walk with us, as you hold our hand, as you guide us out of uh, uh, this wasteland, Babylon, 
Mystery Babylon and into more of your presence and your grace and to lead us towards you, God, final destination in all things. All praise and glory go to you, God. Thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, I say this. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you again in Jesus' name, Lord. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity with my brother in Christ, Mike, to or just tell the testimony of what you've done for me, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that nothing I said tonight was of the flesh. Because, Lord, we have to understand the times that we are living in. And I'm praying that this message will get out there tonight and that someone will get saved through it. Because, Lord, the days that we are living in are growing shorter and shorter. And our our faith in you, Lord Jesus Christ, is going to be put to the test. It will. And it's going to determine where we stand with you. So, Lord, those of us tonight that claim to know you, that claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, Lord God, reveal to us the areas of our life that are not covered by you. Reveal to us where we really stand with you, Lord Jesus Christ. That way, when the real persecution starts, when this society crumbles, it won't be too late then. And, Lord, your true love, true love is the truth. It is you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm praying, Lord God, that you raise up a standard. Lord, I'm praying over those individuals tonight in the country, Lord Jesus Christ, where they know that they can be beheaded or hung or shot by a firing squad, that they know where their faith stands with you. I'm praying over those individuals for safety for them tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that this is the true walk of a Christian. The true walk of a Christian knows that there could be physical death at the end of it, but not spiritual death. To be with you, Lord Jesus Christ, is the ultimate goal. And we have to get out of ourselves, Lord. We have to get out of the way and let you live in us, that your Holy Spirit may reign in us so we can go out into the highways, into the byways, and tell others about you, Lord Jesus Christ, to not have any fear of what the world can do to us. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? So, Lord God, I am praying again that you send down the Holy Ghost, that you send down a fresh anointing. And, Lord God, I'm also praying tonight in the name of Jesus that you search the deep places of us where we don't even know where sin lies, and that you will take it out of us, and that we will give our will and our nature over to you so we have the mind of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that what tonight, one of the biggest things that people are afraid to do is ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness because that truly breaks down every single strong man in our life. So be with us tonight, Lord. Be with our family members tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, that don't believe in you, that you purge them clean, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your almighty love, for your grace and your mercy. But, Lord, that grace does have a time period on it because we're not promised tomorrow. Lord, continue to build us up as we walk through this spiritual warfare. But everything that we do is for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ, you must holy name my praise. Amen. Amen. All right. Sarah Hauser. 
Good job. <laughs> and uh, once again, it's uh, 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 Ministries.com and YouTube channel, so check it out. And you just stay on while I end the recording, hopefully. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.